Thanks for joining us. To keep up with the latest news and podcasts, visit www.propelchurchaz.com. Now get ready for a great message from Pastor Jeep. So great to see you and be together on Sunday. I always look forward to each and every Sunday together as a corporate body to worship the Lord and who he is. If you would pull out your outlines and pull out your planner uh, that's attached, or your outline that's attached to the planner, and, and pull out your Bibles, you can, if you'd silent your phone at this time so you're not a distraction to those around you. We jumped into this series, started this series last week entitled Consumer Me, and We live in a nation that's motivated by consumption. Our culture is consumed by so many things. Our culture is driven by the thought process or the mindset of accumulating more or amassing more. And people are driven to go to work, they're they're driven to get better jobs, trying to attain more money, If I could just have a bigger house, if I could drive that car the way my neighbor drives that car, if if I could get this or if I could get that, we are driven as a culture by consuming things in this nation. And you can attest to that. You can try it and see by going to some other different nations around the world where they don't have as much. And you can see that they're not driven with that same mentality that we are driven by in our culture. We're a nation that consumes or is motivated by consumption. And last week we looked at what God's word has to say about money and possessions. And I I encourage you if you weren't here last Sunday to get online and to listen to that message because it really sets up the course of where we're going today and over the next two Sundays. And so Jesus said life is not about accumulating possessions. It's not about how much you can amass. It's not how much you can uh, grow and fill our homes with. But true life is only found through Christ. In other words, that our heart should be is that we're consumed by Jesus. Not by material things. Not by possessions or money. And so consumer me is a cultural mentality that hurts our relationship with God. Again, in essence, in our nation or in our culture, we consume more of this and more of that, whatever makes us happy, or we think that we're happy. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 5 that the pursuit of money and things is meaningless because they will not bring true or complete satisfaction within our lives. But rather, the the consumption of things and money leave us only wanting and desiring more. It's an endless cycle, is what he's saying. And that's really why a consumer me mentality is about us. It's about me, and it hurts our relationship with God. And so again, today and the next two Sundays, we're going to look at some different mindsets or different attitudes that couple with consumer me, or really are a part of this cultural mindset of consumption that we live in. The first is this. A growing problem in our culture today is self-entitlement. And I look throughout culture and I see it on a regular basis. And this is, a, this is a problem that's not staying the same, it's not getting any better, but it's growing worse within our culture. Self-entitlement is one of the reasons why our culture consumes more. It's a, it's a mindset, it's an attitude. It's, a really an, it's an attitude that's about me and what I think I should have. What is due me? Or what should be mine? And TV commercials or ads 
feed us the lie that we deserve this product or that service. That's what they're made to do. They want you to buy something, to buy into a lifestyle, to buy into a mindset, into an attitude that because of who we are or because of what we do or because we've worked hard enough, we deserve whatever it is that we want in our life. And those ads or those commercials or advertising could be subtle in their marketing or some of them are in in your face. We see this attitude displayed in sports. Whether on a national level with high profile athletes who seem to live a lifestyle of self-entitlement that they're owed something, that they're deserving of something. I see it in the local sports here within Arizona. And I mean even down to the little teams, the little kids, not so much with the kids, but with the parents. And their parents have this self-entitlement attitude and mindset that their little Johnny or their little Sally are going to be the next star athlete. And so they deserve this. This is a problem, a real problem within our nation, within our culture. We see it in the national news, and we see it on reality TV. We see it with celebrities. We see it in politics. We see it on social media. media. We see it everywhere within our nation. And even though we can see self-entitlement within our culture, we should not see it in our lives as believers because it hurts our relationship with God. And maybe you're thinking, well... At least it's not in the church, right? I mean, this is the world we're talking about, Pastor. We're not talking about the church, but it's there sometimes in the church, in the body of Christ. Tom Rayner from Growing Healthy Churches says that when entitlement comes to churches, it sounds like this in the comments that people make. And I want to give you some comments that maybe you've heard in your lifetime Uh, growing up in church or being around the church or have been to other churches and I want you to maybe identify with this potentially. The first is this. I've been a member of this church for 20 years so I deserve things my way. Someone was sitting in the pew where my family sits. Now I've heard that in the past not necessarily in this church because I haven't heard that and we don't have pews here we have chairs but I've heard that in the past where people have said that thing. Another comment is, I tithe to this church, so you work for me. It's out there. It's out there. If I don't get my way, I'll withhold my money from the church. Some people will be in trouble if they mess with the worship the way that I like it. We'll just visit another church until he changes things back to the way they were. And the last one here I want to share with you from Tom Rainer. He says, why didn't you visit me? That's what we pay you to do. And again, by your reactions, that's not a church of who we are, but I want, I want to show you there is this mindset within the body of Christ at large in certain areas, certain pockets. And this should not be so. And Tom even went on to say within this article that there are many different comments that people make that reflect self-entitlement within the church above and beyond this. But when you start to hear those things or when we catch ourselves saying, I this or I that or it's about me, look out. Because now you've opened up yourself to a self-entitlement mindset. And even though it's a growing problem in our culture, this is not a new problem. We even see it within scripture. 
And I want to look at some of those examples of self-entitlement in Scripture today because we need to guard ourselves against that, church. We need to protect our hearts, our lives, our minds, our homes from that mentality because self-entitlement will hurt our relationship with God. In 2 Kings 5... Naaman was a military leader of a powerful army, and he was highly respected by his king. And he was a strong soldier and an honorable, and he was honorable in the eyes of his master, who was the king of Aram or Syria. And yet, in spite of his success and how well respected he was, he had leprosy, which didn't have a cure. And so Naaman heard about the prophet Elisha in Israel, and he'd asked his master, the king, if he could go see Elisha. And the king said, by all means, and he sent Naaman a letter from him to the king of Israel, asking him to cure him of his leprosy. And so when the king of Israel read the letter from Naaman and from the the king of Syria, he tore his robes because of his distress, thinking, why has he sent him to me? He said, I'm not God, and I can't cure leprosy. He's just trying to pick a fight with me. And the story continues in verses 8 through 12 of 2 Kings 5. It says, When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. He said, why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Interesting. The messenger told him what to do by washing in the Jordan River seven times, and that he would receive his healing. It was very clear, it was very simple. But I want you to see this, that Naaman became angry because of what he thought he rightfully deserved. It was a spirit of self-entitlement, it was a mindset there. In other words, Naaman wanted a quick fix. He thought he deserved better. He thought Elisha should have come out himself in person to pray for him, to heal him in the moment. He thought because he was the military commander of the king of Aram that he should have received better care. And instead, he didn't like what the messenger told him to do in order to receive healing. And so he became upset. He became angry and rejected the prescription or the solution. Naaman had a moment doused with self-entitlement here. He was caught up with what he thought he rightfully deserved. And Dr. John Townsend says this about self-entitlement and what the underlying mindset or attitude is. The first is this. Self-entitlement says, I'm exempt from responsibility. I don't have to carry my own burdens. I don't have to do what others are expected to do. I'm exempt from being responsible in my own actions. I shouldn't have to do this or that. I should be able to do what I want to do. And Naaman here didn't want to have to follow orders from a messenger of Elisha because he himself was the one usually giving orders. 
Naaman, as the military leader, was used to giving her the orders. And he expected better care, better service in his mind for Elisha to come out and pray for him instead of talking with a messenger. And so Naaman had wrong expectations. And he was inflexible. The second attitude of self-entitlement is this. Self-entitlement says, I am owed special treatment. I am owed special treatment. It has the mindset of deserving special treatment, that I'm entitled to certain privileges. I am owed this because of what I went through, because of who I am, because I work hard, because I'm better than others. And this type of thinking is self-focused. Its concern is about who I am and what privileges I'm owed because I'm focused on my own desires, needs, and interests. My thoughts, my mentality all revolve around me. And Naaman thought he deserved special treatment and honor because of who he was as a military leader. So he became angry when he didn't get to see Elisha. And he thought at least that he deserved to have Elisha come himself instead of sending a messenger. He thought he was being treated unfairly, if you will. And he rejected the answer to his healing. Now, thankfully, though, if you continue reading on in the verses after that, that Naaman had surrounded himself with good leaders, which is so important for every one of our lives, that we have good people that are looking out for our best interest in mind. And his servants around him were good, and so they were able to talk some sense into him and help him rationalize that this was the answer to his problem that all he had to do was go down to the Jordan River and dip himself or wash himself seven times and then he'd be made whole and well. And so he listened to his servants and washed himself in the Jordan River seven times and it says his skin became clean like that of a young boy. So thankfully, Naaman listened to the people that were around him. Otherwise, his self-entitlement would have kept him from his complete healing and wholeness. Church, we must understand that there is no room for self-entitlement within our lives or within the body of Christ because it's harmful to our relationship with God and it negatively affects every area of our life. Why? Because our attention then is on us. It's on me. It's on my desires. Instead of on others, our attention leaves God and being focused on him and what he's called us to do to being on us and what I want to do. In our lives. Look at what James says in chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. He says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you do ask, you do not receive from God because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Interesting. So James says the reason we quarrel and fight with people is because of our wrong desires on the inside. There's a battle on the inside. It's our flesh battling our spirit man and what God wants for us. And we have this inward battle, battle to want things and we, des- we think that we deserve this or that. Our flesh wants to have more. We have this self-entitlement mindset that thinks on the inside that we're owed. And so... He says here, you go after others. And James says, instead of going after others, why don't you just go to your heavenly father and ask him for what you need? But he said, you can't. 
And when you do go, you ask with a wrong heart and motive, and God sees the wrong heart and motive, and he does not give to you what you are asking for because he knows that you're going to take that blessing from God, and in turn, you're not going to honor him, and instead, you're going to honor yourself and spend it on pleasures for you. Understand here that James is addressing believers in this book in regards to the wrong desires that battle within. He's not talking to non-believers. The audience that he's writing to here is Christians, people that are followers of Christ. He's saying, why do you have these quarrels and fights within you? Why do you do it? It's because you have these wrong desires and motives within inside. And it causes quarrels and fights with others. I want you to see that out of self-entitlement, it destroys relationships and our testimony. Self-entitlement will destroy the relationships around us and within our lives and our testimony for Christ. When we live focused on trying to get what we deserve, it damages the, the relationships that we have with others. Amen. We know that it hurts our relationship with God, but the reality is, is that it also hurts our relationship with people in our lives. Our selfish desires cause us to not live in peace with others. It's hard to get along with others when we're only thinking about ourselves. And so we end up offending others. We end up pushing others away in our lives. We end up hurting people, including those closest to us because of self-entitlement. And not to mention that our testimony goes out the window when we're focused on self. We can't proclaim that we love Christ if we love ourselves more. We can't think that we'll be effective in sharing the gospel with others if they look at us and see our lives fighting with others because of our self-entitlement attitude. So self-entitlement, it encourages wrong motives and coveting what others have is what the scripture was saying. Self-entitlement or being focused on self encourage us to live with wrong motives. That whatever we do, the ulterior motive is to please myself to meet my desires because I deserve it, because of who I am and what I've done and worked hard for it. And James says again that we will even go to God and ask him for what we want, for money, for his provision, but we don't receive because we're asking with wrong motives and God sees it all. And he says, in fact, we will covet what others have when we have a self-entitlement mindset because we feel like we deserve it. We feel like we deserve it more than that person does. So if they have this or that, then we've got to have this or that within our lives. And it's interesting, if you continue to read in that passage, James went on to say in verses 4 through 10, and the very first thing after what we just read, he says this. He says that friendship with the world makes us enemies of God. In other words, we can't act like, act like the world does according to our fleshly desires and fight with one another. That's what the world does is what James is saying. We can't have friendship with the world. We can't do the same things. We can't live the same, with the same mindset and expect to love Christ. Instead, James says we have to humble and submit ourselves to God and then resist the devil and he will flee. Or resist that temptation to self-entitlement. And the enemy has to go. Resist the temptation of any sin within our lives, any temptation that is coming our way and when we humble ourselves before God, that's when we resist the devil and he will flee. And we have to come near to God, he says, and he will come near to us. Because he said, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So Jesus himself 
even dealt with self-entitlement. In fact, he went to a Pharisee's house to eat on a Sabbath, and this is what Jesus saw in Luke 14, verses 7 through 11. It says, when he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Make no mistake here that Jesus called the guests out because of their pride. Everybody hearing me this morning? Jesus called them out. He said, you have a mindset of self-entitlement. There's a, there's a mindset or attitude of pride within this room. He watched all these people think more highly of themselves than they ought to, as scripture says. He saw that they were fighting for a place of honor, that each of them thought they should have special treatment. So they tried to take the place at the table that made their pride feel good. Understand that at the core of self-entitlement is pride. If we're living with that mindset, there is some form of pride within our lives. And I'm not talking about having pride in our favorite sports teams or being proud of our children for what they've done and accomplished. I'm talking about the sin of pride. Where we only think about ourselves or we put ourselves above everyone else, including God, within our lives. Pride drives us to make us look better than others and it focuses on what is owed me. In other words, self-entitlement. Pride doesn't allow us to take responsibility for our own actions. It's not my fault. It's, I, I deserve this. This is what I went through. This is who I am. Because I'm better than that person, I should get this. I should get what's due me, is what this mindset is. And we don't take responsibility within our own actions because it's always someone else's fault. That's self-entitlement. That's pride behind it. And so Jesus was calling these guests out because of the pride and self-entitlement that they had. And Jesus was telling them to be humble and take the lowest place because humility is rewarded with honor, Jesus said. When we humble ourselves, that's when God can and will honor us within our lives. When we humble ourselves before others, people will take note and will honor us in due time, is what Jesus was saying. Humility is the opposite of self-entitlement. It's the opposite of pride. Isaiah talked about Lucifer's pride, which cost him his place in heaven. In Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15, he says, How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly and on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high, but you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. We see that God cast Lucifer out of heaven because of self-entitlement or pride. He tried to set himself up higher than God in his heart, in his mindset. And before Satan became the devil, he was Lucifer. He was an angel that was beautiful. He had authority. He had a purpose. 
In fact, his name meant morning star, the one who would shine light. And he made a choice at some point in his mindset of self-entitlement or pride to overtake God's throne and authority. And God cast him out of heaven faster than lightning, scripture says. I want us to see that pride is an antichrist attitude and mentality. When we live in pride or self-entitlement, we are taking on an antichrist heart, an antichrist attitude or mentality in that area of our lives. We are living for self instead of living for Jesus. Pride is a sin and damages our relationship with God. It will distance us from his will taking place in our life. Make no mistake, God hates pride. That's why Lucifer was cast out of heaven. He hates self-entitlement because we forget who Christ is when we live with self-entitlement because it's all about us. We think that we can do it on our own. We forget about what Christ did for us on the cross. That's why Paul reminds us in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So Paul makes it very clear to us that just like Christ, we are called to serve rather than be served. We're to have the same mindset when it comes to our relationships that Jesus had. Jesus didn't use his own rights as the son of God to get what he wanted. He didn't operate in self-entitlement. He didn't use it to his own advantage to get out of going to the cross. No, instead he made himself nothing by taking on the form of a servant and serving his heavenly father and serving others here on earth instead of being served. Jesus became a servant to us, to mankind. He humbled himself. He didn't throw it in people's faces arrogantly that I'm the Messiah or I'm the Son of God, so this is what is owed me. This is what is due to me. He humbled himself, came in as a lowly servant and loved people and served them right where they were at because that's who our God is. You see, church, we're called to serve others rather than be served. Self-entitlement says, you need to serve me. I deserve it. I am owed special treatment. And humility says this, I will lay all of my rights aside in order to meet your needs. I will take the lowly seat in order for others to have the better one. I'm not owed anything because Christ paid the price for my salvation. He did it all. And so because of him, I will live as a servant to him without expectations on my life. I will live according to what the Holy Spirit desires for me and not what internal desires are at war on the inside of my life. We're called to be a servant. We're called to look at others in the relationships that we have and to serve people the way that Christ would serve them. Jesus summed it up in Luke 9, verses 23 through 25. He says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. 
What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? These words are so crucial to us walking in a relationship with Christ, a true relationship with Jesus. And that last verse, verse 25, it says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Meaning this, what good is it that I can amass all that the world has to offer? I can attain the most amount of money that I can possibly get. I can buy the most amount of possessions. I can live to please myself and yet get to the very end and myself or my soul will miss out and will forfeit because I've lived with the self-entitlement mindset or attitude is what this verse is really saying. And it's so crucial for us as believers that we make sure our mindset and our attitude and our heart is lined up with God's word and what it means to walk in that personal, authentic relationship with Jesus in our lives. That's why we can never forget that we must deny self. We must pick up our cross and follow Jesus to get rid of self-entitlement. That we would take on the very nature of a servant and following in Christ's footsteps and who he is and what he modeled for us. And again, I'm not saying that, as I said last week, it's not wrong to have money. It's not wrong to have things. But if the motive or it becomes an idol within our lives becomes too great, then it becomes wrong. That's when it becomes sin. So we have to make sure that we have a clear thought process on that. But that's why here, based on this verse, every day we have to wake up and deny self. We have to deny our fleshly desires within and whatever we think that we're owed in order to live for Christ. We must pick up our cross, which is our, our responsibility in identifying with Jesus what he's done for us and how we will die to self. Again, self-entitlement says, I don't have any responsibility. I don't have to do that, what others have to do. But that's not what God's word says. Our, God's word says our responsibility is to pick up our cross and to deny ourselves and to follow him. And then we must follow Jesus as a disciple. We have to make the choice daily to do what he would do. Act like Jesus would act. Talk like Jesus would talk. In which all of these or every area of our life should look like Jesus. In essence, that we surrender to his lordship in each area of our life. And when we purposely live like this, that's when we begin to have a change, or that's when we see the mentality is not one of a consumer me within me, but it's on a servant's mentality. It's all about a love for Christ, all about a love for God, and we get rid of that consumer me mentality. We get rid of the self-entitlement attitude and all that we think is owed us, and we take responsibility for our actions, we take responsibility for our words and, and our lives in following Jesus. In turn, we end self-entitlement in our lives in order that we would be consumed with Jesus and living for him. That's the goal. That's the heart, is not to be consumed with the things of the world, but to be consumed with Christ, to be consumed with his love, his passion for God. God doesn't just call us to be in love with him, he calls us to be passionately in love with him. Amen. 
that we live our lives with passion for God. That we are consumed every single area of our lives, our homes, our families, every single aspect would be consumed with Jesus. That's what he's called us to. That's what the privilege it is of being a follower of Christ that we get to walk in. To be consumed with him.